You're listening to Guitars and Granola Bars, episode 27. Thank you so much for joining me here on Guitars and Granola Bars, Music Therapists Talk Motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Rambach, and this podcast is for music therapists and anyone else balancing a passion-fueled career with being a mom. This podcast is sponsored by Music Teachers Helper, the best way to manage your private music lesson studio and or music therapy practice. I've used Music Teachers Helper every single day since 2011, and it is one of the best tools I have to keep my private practice running smoothly. Music Teachers Helper is online scheduling and billing software, which you can access from your computer, laptop, tablet, and smartphone, and saves you hours every month, enables you to generate reports for taxes, and ensures you never lose track of a payment. Once you add a student, which is super easy, you can choose to automatically send students custom invoices that can be paid by credit card if you make that an option. Automatically email lesson and session reminders, late payment notifications, notes, and so much more. So many amazing features, I can't even list them all here. Every user also receives a free, easy-to-build website template to help market your studio or private practice. Ditch the costly web designer or programmers and have complete control over your website content. With dozens of professional templates available, you'll be sure to find one that best expresses your style. Whether you have 5 or 50 students, Music Teachers Helper works with studios and practices of all sizes. They offer a 30-day no-risk trial where you can test it out to discover how much time you'll be saving. If you use the link in the show notes or go to www.musicteachershelper.com podcast, you'll save 20% off your first month if you choose to sign up after the trial. In this episode, I'm chatting with Jennifer Hazuki. Jennifer is a board-certified music therapist and lives in Jacobsburg, Ohio, which is in the southeast part of the state. Jennifer has been a music therapist for almost eight years and owns her own private practice. Last summer, she quit her full-time music therapy position to work on her business full-time. Jennifer has two teenagers and lives on a 48-acre farm with her husband, and both of them love to garden and raise Scottish Highland cattle. Jennifer, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. We always start by talking a little bit about your background and how you became a music therapist. So tell us that story. Okay. Um, well, I am from Ohio. Um, I haven't always lived in Ohio, but um, I kind of start. I, I'm pretty typical like everyone else that you've interviewed. Um, I was pretty much a music geek in school. (laughs) So I participated in choir and band and, um, I played the clarinet. So that was my main instrument. And when I got closer to graduation, I knew for sure I wanted to get into a music career. Um, and the only really music careers that I was aware of was music performance and music education. So when I graduated from high school, I instantly went into music education. And 
my very first class I took, I knew exactly that's not what I wanted to do. So I did some exploring, um, and I actually went to um, a college in Ohio. It was called Muskingum College. That's I was kind of pushed to go to that school because my brother was already going there. I was getting a scholarship, and we were going to get a sibling discount, So, and they had a music education program. But once I told my parents, you know, I, I don't want to do this, um, I explored some different options and transferred to um, Baldwin-Wallace University, which is also in Ohio, because I found out there was a music therapy program. Um, so I was really excited. And once I started taking the classes, I knew exactly that's what I wanted to do. So, um, I graduated from there. Um, I did my internship also in Ohio. So you can probably tell I like Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I went to the music school settlement, which is in Cleveland. Um, I did my internship there and finished, finished school, but I never after completing school, I never fulfilled my dream to getting a music therapy position right out of college in my internship. Um, I may be a little bit different from some of your other interview people that you interviewed. I graduated um, from college in 93. I finished my internship in 94. And I've had a huge gap from there until I actually got my first music therapy job in 2007. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that's a gap. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I felt, you know, maybe there's actual other music therapists that might've had, you know, similar experience. So the only reason why I didn't get a music therapy position is because I couldn't find one. I mean, I lived in the Cleveland area and I was really surprised, you know, why can't I get a job? This is really interesting. So I actually pursued some different options temporarily. I actually went into banking. Um, I guess that's just kind of what plopped in my lap um, and did that for a few years. Um, But then we did a lot of moving. Um, I actually got married my last year of college. So that's kind of what kept me um, in the area that I went to school with because my husband and I had had gotten married. Um, But then one day, you know, he, he went to school. Um, he went to trade school. He became a, a certified mechanic. And he decided he didn't want to stay um, in the area anymore. Because at that time, we were thinking about a family. Starting a family, we were looking for a home. And we were not happy with the choices um, that we were finding. We wanted space. We wanted a little bit of land. We wanted a decent house. But we couldn't find that. It was way too expensive, out of our range. So we decided we were going to move. <laughs> we made a big move. We moved to West Virginia. Oh, that is a significant move. Yeah. Um, so we moved away from like our immediate family, but we had family in West Virginia. So um, we moved out of state. Um, I still went into banking. Um, and we actually bought our first house in West Virginia. And then soon after we bought our first house, um, I got pregnant. Um, I continued to work. I actually went full time to part time when we moved to West Virginia because I was already on my mind that I was going to, I wanted to start a family. And I, in my mind, I wasn't thinking career and work. I was thinking when I have my baby, I'm going to stay home. And sure enough, um, 
I somewhat did that. After my son was born, he was born in 1998. Um, I did go back to work for a little while, but I ended up not going to work because it wasn't worth my time to go part-time. So when my son was born, I had somebody who was willing to watch my son for a little while. And then when she said she couldn't watch him anymore, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll, you know, stay home. And, and that's what I always wanted to do. I guess that was just um, something that I kind of planned on doing anyway. Um, I enjoyed staying home with my kids. I stayed home from for with them for a long time. Um, before I actually went back to work again. So I was actually able to stay home when they were infants and toddlers. Um, so anyway, my son was born in 98, and then my, my daughter uh, was born in 2000. So they're pretty close in age. And that's kind of what I wanted to. I planned that. Yeah. Um, so then after she was born, um, we moved again. We My husband had a job that um, transferred him to Central south central pa which is about six hours from where we were at so we moved to pennsylvania and again i stayed home but we found you know with the nice house that we bought in the area um finances were a little tight so my husband said i think it's time for you to go to work so again i wasn't thinking of a music therapy job but um, I went to work as a therapy aide um, at a facility. It was a, it was called the Margaret E. Mile Home, and it was a, a home for people with disabilities. So they were for adults. Um, they actually knew that I had gone to school for music therapy, and I had met with my supervisor, and she said, well, she said, we'd love to hire you to, to provide some music therapy, but we need you to take your certification test. So... You know, for being out of school for a while, I thought, oh, well, I'd be willing to do that. And it was hard. I did take the test, and I didn't pass it. Um, so I was going to pursue that. But along the way, while I was working there, um, I was having some difficulties keeping babysitters because we were so far away from family. You know, we were having to be self-sufficient and um, couldn't find an inexpensive babysitter. And at the time, my daughter was about three, and she was a handful. I mean, she strong-willed, um, gave every single babysitter I had a hard time. So I ended up going from babysitter to babysitter, and then finally we decided, let's look into the daycares. Well, that would have been a great idea for her because it would have been structure, and they wouldn't have like kicked her out because of her behavior or anything like that. Um, but it was too expensive. Um, so then my husband's like, well, I think you're going to have to go back to staying at home again. <laughs> oh my so I did. And it got, I was, it was hard being away from family. We were, you know, about six, six and a half hours away from, from my parents and his parents. So we lived in Pennsylvania for a couple of years and I finally put my foot down and said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. So we actually moved back to Ohio um, not in the Cleveland area, but we moved kind of in the same area where we lived in West Virginia. It was, it's considered like an Ohio Valley. So it's like a tri-state area. Um, so we moved to South, Southeast 
Ohio. Um, so we were really close to we were really close to Wheeling, West Virginia, and really close to the Pennsylvania border. So we bought a house there, um, and my husband still worked for the same company, but he he traveled there. So it was kind of tough because I was trying to hold the family together while he was working. Um, so he was, he's always been a traveler. He's always traveled away from home. So it was really hard for me to actually even think about getting a job because of his work schedule. But lo and behold, I guess I'll get to 2007, um, is when I actually got my first music therapy position. And that was working, um, in a hospital and on an acute inpatient unit. It was a mental health unit. Um, so that's kind of where I started my music therapy career. That was probably the most challenging thing I've ever done to go from being a stay-at-home mom to getting into my dream career, but it took me so long to get there. Right, and that's was going to be my next question, whether or not you had some trepidation um, going back to that career that you hadn't actually worked in yet and that you'd been educated in so long ago. What was that like? Well, I felt really lost. Um, I knew that's what I wanted to try. You know, my husband was very encouraging and he's like, well, you know, that's what you went to school for. And here you get a, you know, a position to do that. I actually, um, we worked in a creative arts therapy department. So I was working with an art therapist, a couple rec therapists, another music therapist. Um, so I did get some help from my, from my coworkers, especially the, the music therapist that was there too. But it was like starting from scratch. I only did, but a, a little bit of clinical work in mental health when I was in school. So it wasn't really a big population that I was thinking of considering, but considering my area, we were at the time the two, only two music therapists in the area. Um, the closest music therapist might be, you know, a few hours away. So it was really, really challenging, but I was determined to get back on track and I worked, I worked really hard (laughs) and, uh, I did end up taking my test, um, my board certification test, I did pass. And it's that ever since I've done that, I think things have just kind of flown in the right direction that I needed to go into. Where did you find support as a music therapist, as a new music therapist? Well, I, I got a lot of information online. I looked a lot, you know, mental health, music therapy, um, I I don't honestly remember exactly what websites and things, but that's kind of where I started. Um, just looking online for different activities. I looked for books. Every I went online to look for books. You know, so if if the American Music Therapy Association suggested certain things, or if I found somebody suggested a book, I would get the book and I would read it. So I was actually collecting a lot of information to kind of re-educate myself in the population that I didn't have a lot of, you know, education in. And like I said, I did work with another music therapist, so she was helpful Mm -hmm. um, in that that way. But then eventually she moved. Um, She wasn't um, going – her intentions when I first worked there was she was going to get married and move to a different part of the state. So – 
Um, eventually, I ended up being the the sole music therapist, but she definitely was a lot of help. Wow. So did you feel comfortable being in that sole role as the only music therapist when she left? Somewhat. Better than when I was <laughs> when I first started. She didn't leave right away. Um, she was there for like maybe a year and a half or so. So that was enough training, I guess, on the job training. Right. So in this in this new position, and as you became more comfortable, did it um, was it the dream career that you had been looking for? Were you feeling satisfied with it? Music therapy, yes. Mental health, I was not so sure. Um, I still enjoy working mental health, but is some people might say is it's very draining and I was finding I wasn't getting balance, um, work wise. Uh, it was stressful. We went through a lot of management changes. Um, just a lot of hospital rules and stuff that kind of got in the way from me focusing on you know, why I wanted to get into what I was doing, which was music therapy. And I kept having to tell myself, you're here because you're providing music therapy. That's what you want to do. But it was hard to not get stuck in the meetings and, and people not understanding what music therapy was. So you just had to, you know, keep educating people and letting people know, you know, what you did. Because being in a creative arts therapy, everybody thought we just did activities. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, but other things kind of got my mind thinking, um, I definitely wanted to do music therapy, but I didn't know if I wanted to actually work for somebody. So that's where I started um, looking into starting my own private practice. So like around 2011, I I guess you can say officially, I bought, bought into my, my own company. Um, didn't do it for, for a, maybe part-time. I did a little bit of early intervention and I was trying to get like small contracts in the community while I was still working. So I started out working full-time in mental health and then I kind of dwindled my hours. I went from full-time to part-time and then I went, oh, I, then I really cut my hours to three days a week so I could work two days a week on my business. And then just last year I quit full-time to work my private practice full time. And how, so, how did that feel? That's felt wonderful. Cause by then I was ready for that. Cause I felt like I was, yes, I was providing music therapy in my community, but just at a hospital, I wanted to stretch that. I wanted to be everywhere. Um, so I started getting into the schools, um, so I do have some contracts in some schools in the area, and I I still do early intervention. I actually have my Music Together um, certificate, too. So I do provide some Music Together um, in-school programs. So we have some grants that provide um, provide some programs there. And then I just recently... Um, connected with um, an occupational therapist and a physical therapist who own their own business um, in the area. I was looking for some space, and I 
was having a hard time finding a church or, you know, someplace that was affordable that I could provide some music classes. Um, and I came across this occupational and physical therapist who own their own little business. And, um, I just recently started providing some family classes. Um, so I rent some space off of them. So I'm kind of spreading the word, um, about what I do. I'm the only music therapist in my area. I hate saying that because <laughs> at first you might think, great, I'm the only one. I can, you know, go anywhere I want to. But, you know, there's so much potential in my area and I'm the only one here. So I really would like, you know, if I could grow my business, my goal is to grow it so big that I would bring more music therapists in the area who would want to be here to help, you know, share the load, um, whether they work for me, or, you know, start, start their own business. Yeah, I, can, I think that'd be great. I can absolutely relate to that because I was in the same position. Um, when I first became a music therapist, I was the only music therapist in Springfield and really kind of the surrounding area as well. And it wasn't until 2012, I think that another music therapist moved about a half hour from me. And she ended up doing some independent contracting through my business and that was the best thing ever because then you know I could I could pass along these clients that I didn't have time in my schedule for and know that they were getting services and so now we're at the point where we're hiring additional music therapists and it's just been amazing for our community because you know not only is our business growing and thriving but it's also serving so many people that I wouldn't be able to serve by myself. So I can completely relate to, to your feelings on that. Yeah, I see and hear a lot of music therapists um, hiring. I mean, I always see people's um, notifications, hey, we're hiring. And I was like, boy, I would really like to be in that position where I could hire somebody. Um, but my workload right now isn't where I want it to be. But I as it gets, as it gets bigger, I need to work on my business. I don't want to be in it all the time. So, um, maybe it'll be my next challenge, you know, to, to grow my, my workload so that I could interest other music therapists to come to this area. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. So do you have, um, do you have hopes for, finding a clinic space eventually, or do you want to do more contract work in different areas? I really would like to find my own space. Um, I think with me renting this little space or borrowing some space from these other therapists is going to help me get my name out there a little bit better. I mean, marketing is so hard. Um, I've learned so much about marketing um, in this area. And w I would say word of mouth is, is the best way. And being connected to other therapists in the community is really going to help people know, Hey, there's, there's a music therapist out there. Cause, um, I get thrilled when I meet somebody and yeah, they don't get my name right. Or they'll say, Oh, you're that life song. You're that life song therapy lady. <laughs> I'm like, wow, you remembered. So, or you're that lady that does that music. And so it's getting there. Um, but I think this is a nice stepping stone. Um, 
for me. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, that's really exciting. Good for you. And congratulations on getting to that point. And I know it's not easy to establish yourself as a music therapist, A, in a place where there aren't others that have already kind of paved the way for you. And then B, to, to build a business on that. It's it's hard work. So yeah, yeah, definitely. So how did things sort of shift or change at home as you were um, starting your business and beginning to work more? Well, my kids were older. Um, my kids are teenagers, so I'm sure I'm, I'm sure that's a little bit different from a lot of your viewers that listen, you know, because a lot of your people that you've interviewed have, have, have little ones. And in a way, having teenagers is, it can be easy, but then that doesn't mean your life gets easy where you can just like, oh, well, they're teenagers. Um, I can kind of work more or do more. You're still doing stuff for your kids. You still need to be there for them. Um, my kids aren't like super active in a lot of sports, but the things that they're active in, you still have to run them around. Um, so I try to work my schedule around their schedule, especially during the school year. Um, my son plays golf. He's, he's a boy scout. My daughter, he's, she's in band. She's my, she's my music one. Um, and so her schedule gets super busy in the fall. Um, but when I was before, when I was working at the hospital, you know, hospital hours can be really challenging. Um, you work, we were working day shift. We were, uh, rotating evening shifts. We were rotating weekends and we rotated holidays. And as many as there were of us, you know, it didn't seem like you were working, you know, you worked about one, one weekend a month and you worked anywhere from one to two holidays a year. Um, it did get challenging, um, trying to figure out how you're going to get them to the school or pick them up from school from something and then still work. So I, I just found that really challenging, especially with a husband that traveled. I really couldn't rely on him to be part of the pickup and drop off because he wasn't home. So, and, and we live in a very rural area. I live pretty much in farm, farm area and where I'm located, my kids, we're about 20 minutes away from the school. So that's pretty far to be going and picking them up because by the time you pick them up and you come home, it's like 40, 45 minutes. So that was really challenging. But now that I'm doing my own thing, I'm still trying to get my mindset on, hey, you're doing this because you want to have control of scheduling. So... Both my kids, actually, um, we have a really nice program at our school. Our kids can go take college courses when they're in high school. And it just started. It's called like a College Plus program. And any student from ninth to 12th grade can take college courses. So both my kids um, took the tests and everything. They're eligible to take a few courses. My, my daughter's going to take one course just to kind of see how she does. And we were trying to figure out a schedule and I was thinking, Oh, I, I can't take her. You know, I, I can, her, her 
brother can take her to school, but I was thinking, how am I going to pick her up after an hour class to take her back to the high school? I was like, whoa, wait a minute. You make your own schedule. You can pick her up. So when she goes to college, I've made my schedule around hers. So on Tuesdays and Thursdays when school starts, I don't, I will not start work until after 10 o'clock just for the fact that just so she can go to school and I can pick her up. So I'm starting to get a hang of this, you know, private practice business thing is you work around your family schedule because you can. Exactly. Exactly. And have you found it to be challenging turning down potential work that could interfere with being able to do those things for your family? Well, I haven't quite came across that yet. Um, That's good because I have found it yeah, very not challenging. Yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because when school starts, I mean, some of my contracts will just that I've had last year will just begin again next year, and and that doesn't conflict with her schedule. Um, but I'm going to have to finagle my my Thursday morning because I do actually start at nine thirty at a facility. Um, and she needs picked up at 920. But even though it's close in hand, I'm still going to be late. So I will be talking to that facility to let them know, hey, I will be starting, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes later, because this is what I'm doing. But because I've been there a, f- a few years, I don't think they're going to have any issues with me starting later. So right, right. And then if another contract comes up, I just will not give them the availability of, you know, nine o'clock on Tuesdays or nine o'clock on Thursdays because that's already filled with her schedule. So I got to stick to my guns. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's so tempting when you work for yourself to say, oh, you know, I can rearrange my schedule in order to accommodate these people or this facility. But you're exactly right. You just have to keep reminding yourself, this is why I went into this and, you know, it may actually be way more work than, than having a traditional position, but this is one of the advantages to right. working in private practice. So you have to use that to your advantage. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get into private practice is because I didn't want to be a slave to my job. I didn't want them saying, well, you have to be here. I wanted to be able to tell the people that I serve, I want to be here because I choose to do this. Um, so I wanted more, I wanted to be, have more empowerment. I just wanted to be more in control and that's where my balance came in, you know, with being able to make my own schedule. Yeah, It feels, it feels so much better. It does. It does. And even when you do feel like you're overwhelmed and a little bogged down, it's, it's much more manageable. I know for me having worked in a facility and now, working for myself, I can much better um, handle it now than I could before because I know that I am in, I'm in control. Whether or not I'm, you know, feeling overwhelmed about it, I'm still in control. So, right. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a good feeling. Yeah, and it should. You know, if you're in private practice and you're, you know, I'm not saying it's not stressful, but, you know, if, there's a lot of reasons why we do what we do. Um, a, it could be cause there's no positions, but I think a lot of people want to do private practice cause they wanted to work around their families. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and especially because so many of us are moms and we do want to be available for 
our kids and our families the way that, you know, somebody that's in a traditional job can't necessarily be. And so I think that's such a common thread amongst the professionals in our field. And, you know, I've even heard that from from music therapist dads when I did the series of music therapy dad interviews last month or back in June. Um, that was something I heard from all of them as well. So it really is a huge benefit to working in private practice. And I think that's a, a big reason why so many of us do go into this kind of work. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So are there any other challenges that you found with being in private practice or with um, being a working mom in general? Well, I don't know. I just, I live in a a very low income area. Um, I'm not saying we don't have people that have money, but there's just a lot of people who um, are really under underprivileged. And so one challenge I have is I don't have any private clients that I see um, just for the fact that I don't think a lot of people have private insurance. A lot of people have, you know, Medicare and Medicaid, and I know we're kind of trying to deal with that, um, getting paid for that. Um, we have some um, waiver opportunities, but it's just right now I'm trying to educate people that, Hey, if you have the waiver and you want music therapy, you know, you're eligible for, for some services, but it's just getting that word out to letting people know, Hey, this service is available. Um, so a lot of my programs that I offer are, are grant funded. So I'm finding to have to explore grant options, you know, yearly, um, to be able to have the services that I provide to stay, to stay available for people. And are you, so, are you doing that research on the grants or are they, are they presenting those grant opportunities to you and you are doing the applying? Well, I give them the ideas. I give them resources and say, here, look at this resource. And, um, I don't write grants, I usually just give them the ideas and the resources and then they do the rant writing rant or grant writing. <laughs> um, and then the one school that I provide services, I don't even need to look for a grant. They get a grant on their own so that they can keep me, which is nice. They value the service enough where they are automatically do that and say, Hey, you're coming back next year. So that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So what about, you've already kind of talked about um, the benefits of being in private practice, but what do you feel most um, fulfilled about your work and about being a working mom? I don't know. I just, I just like being a music therapist. I like what I do. Yeah. Um, I get to share music with people, but I get to do it in a therapeutic way. Um, you know, it's not, I still hear people, oh, you're here to entertain us. I'm like, no. And I think <laughs> and I, that will and always I be the case. <laughs> yeah, and that's okay. It's just, some people kind of get it. 
and you just kind of educate them and let them know that why you're there. Um, but I just like touching people's lives. I just, I like seeing what music does for people. And I'm really glad that even with my long, uh, long gap in between my career, um, I'm just really glad that it, I was able to find, find, to put music back in my life again. Um, so that I can help other people. Right. Because probably a lot of people in your shoes might have said, oh, well, that ship has sailed because it's been so long and I'm not going to remember anything that I learned and, you know, oh, well. And the fact that you did, you know, have the guts really to jump back into it after all that time or jump into it in the first place, I guess I should say, Mm. um, is really um impressive and i think is inspiring to a lot of people because i do know also that in our profession it's pretty common for women to leave the field to go on maternity leave and to to stay home with their kids and then to not return and right um and that may be because they feel like oh well i'm out of the game now so i think right. it's it's an inspiring message to hear that yes it is possible to come back. Well, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend doing it my way. <laughs> I guess my way was my way, but you know, I think everybody feels differently about how long they want to stay home. I just had a strong desire to stay home with my kids. I had no desire to work, but if I had, but when I was raising my, my children when they were younger, I didn't have internet access. I mean, honestly, we didn't get our first computer until maybe, I don't know, 1999 or 2000. And then internet started to pop out. So, I mean, I, when I, even when I went to school, we didn't have internet. We didn't have all the resources that we have now. So, you know, if anybody decides they want to stay home and maybe take a break from their career, I think that would, you know, that's their choice. And I think that would be whatever if makes them happy. But if, if anything, I would do anything differently. I would at least try to stay connected with you know, music therapist or I don't know, maybe take guitar lessons or something, you know, just to kind of stay in the groove. If I knew this is what's something I would want to do eventually in my heart, then maybe I would have slowly trained myself. But I just felt like I, I mean, I went from, I don't know, I, (laughs) I just went from total no music, no, no clinical work at all in my life, you know, after, after college. But I think in my heart, I really want, you know, wanted to do it because I had a job on opportunity and I wanted to try it. And yeah, I'm glad I did. Do you think that your desire to stay home would have been altered had you had that music therapy job out of college and you had already been working in the field? Well, I think I would have been working doing something Mm -hmm. Um, because it was at the point where it was necessary to have another income. You know, kids are getting older, budget's getting tighter, and I need to contribute. So I would have been working somewhere. Um, In fact, the job before my music therapy job, I was an activity director at a senior center. I loved that job. I probably would have been still working that job, but I got laid off. And I think there's good reasons for me, you know, how things happen in your life. I just, it was meant for me to get laid off to find that job. 
And in fact, my one supervisor at where I worked said, hey, I found this, you know, music therapy. It wasn't, didn't say music therapy. It said uh, it was a creative arts therapy position. And she said, I think this is something that you could do. I think this would be, you'd make, be eligible to provide your music therapy if you wanted to do that. So I think it was kind of laid in my lap, you know, on purpose <laughs> from a higher being. <laughs> yeah. And, and I feel that way about everything in life. And maybe that's just, you know, the spin I put on things when things maybe don't work out exactly the way that I want them to when I want them to. But, you know, you have to look at every experience as a learning opportunity and as a stepping stone to the next part of your journey. Because I think it all just is meant to be the way that it, the cards kind of fall and we can learn from, from every, everything we do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk for a minute about self-care because I know you're busy building your practice and then you've got your two teenagers. So that's a lot going on. What are some ways that you make time for yourself? Well, I, um, do a lot of self-care. I think, um, that kind of, some things have changed my life a little bit. I actually do something called, um, the miracle morning. Um, and it kind of goes with one of the books that I have read by Hal Elrod. I wrote a blog post about this, uh, a few months ago. Oh my gosh. Yes. I loved this book. It has changed my life. Yeah. Um, I'm actually on what, what day am I on? Uh, 48. Oh, I'm on good day 48. For you. 48 so what days I do, straight. Um, well, I took my first 30 day challenge was 30 days straight. And then for the 4th of July holiday weekend, I just took two days off. So I've really been doing it ever since. So wow. I only took two days off because we went out of town and it was kind of hard to, to keep up with it. But I used to not like getting up in the morning. I so was looking forward to, um, sleeping in the summer. Um, but I actually get up about the same time I would get my daughter up for school and I, and I doesn't bother me. I love getting up when I get up. I get up at like five fifty every morning and I used to hate getting up at five fifty, but now I look forward to getting up. <laughs> so actually the first hour, hour and a half of my day is mine. It's completely mine. I meditate um, I have my affirmations. Um, most importantly, I do my exercise because I wanted to get back into exercising, um, since January and I just have not been motivated. I didn't, didn't feel like I could just get up every day and do something for myself exercise wise. But since I've been doing the miracle morning, I exercise every day. But it's not like half an hour or an hour. It's like I spent like 15 minutes doing my kettlebell um, workout or, you know, some one of my exercise apps. And I love it. I I feel good about myself. I'm working with little kids all day sitting on the floor and carrying instruments. So I want to make sure that my body's fit and I feel healthy and have the energy to jump around and play while I'm providing my service. So this has really, really helped me. So that's my self-care. I do my miracle morning every every morning. <laughs> that is so great. And I, oh, that book was just 
amazing. And I'll put a link to the book and to the blog post I wrote about it in the show notes so that people that are listening are like, Miracle Morning, what the heck is that? Yeah. Um, can learn more about it. Do you want to talk a little bit more about it? Well, I just wanted to say it's it, that book is for everybody. It's not for it's just not for people who are trying to work a business. It's for everybody who wants to improve their life in in different areas. Yeah. You know, improve your relationships, improve your income, improve your health. Um, it does all of that, and he just talks about it so. It, you know, in just terms everybody would understand, and I was so motivated. Um, and said, you know, I need to do this. I need, I want to change some things in my life and exercise and taking care of myself was one of them. But one thing I didn't realize that I was going to enjoy was he encourages you to journal. I've never journaled in my life. I didn't think I was going to like it, but, uh, I, I journal every day. I, I journal like what I feel like I'm struggling with things that went well yesterday, you know, anything that kind of comes in my mind, I just journal a page and I really like that. Um, and I love the meditation because, like, you learn to just f just focus on nothing. How 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 hard is that? Very hard <laughs> to focus on nothing, just to breathe and to relax and Thank clear you your so mind. Thank you so much for listening. I have thought of so like many great Michelle ideas message, to add to my business just from sitting still and, and having that time to think. Yes. Would you like to be a guest? Um, so I've on the been show? really inspired. Let it's me know. inspired me a lot. Get in touch and find the show notes for this episode at guitarsandgranolabars.com. The way that you were talking and about, and I really um, appreciate it if you go over to iTunes that morning and, and leave a review and rate the show. And I think that I'll talk to you again. Anybody next week. that says, "Oh my gosh, I couldn't get up that early," or you know, "I like to sleep in," it really is life changing, and it changes the whole course of your day when you start your day so purposefully and really spending it in a way that's going to put you on track for, you know, just being in a good mindset. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's great. So what advice do you have for music therapists, whether it's related to becoming a parent or working in private practice or just kind of balancing everything? Just reaching out. Um, I know that's helped me a lot. Just reaching out to whatever community you have, whether it's in person or online. Um, I'm actually taking, um, oh, I'm taking a course online, but I'm not doing it by myself. I actually had uh, uh, a lady ask me to take the course with her. It's one of Christine Stevens' drum, oh, drum okay. courses. Yeah. And she asked, she, she, ordered it but never took it and I met her through another Christine Stevens mentoring group that we're in together and she said do you want to take this course with me we'll do a, a one of the video segments each week and there's eight videos so we've been actually taking it together and every week we set a time where we talk about the video and how we could you know incorporate what we learned and you know talk about anything so I say just reach out to whatever community that you have. Um, like I said, this lady um, that I met, we Skype, and she's from Texas. So like, it's not I'm not going to meet her anytime soon. <laughs> Maybe someday, but um, I just I just like being part of the internet because um, even though I've never met a lot of people, I feel like I know them because I've just reached out to them um, th through through the internet. 
Yeah, it's it's an invaluable resource, especially when you're more isolated as a music therapist as you are and as I sort of am, not as much as I was in the past, but absolutely, that's great advice. And then just to wrap things up, do you have any projects you'd like to share or any resources that you recommend? Well, I do have a pretty big project I've been working on. Um, uh, I, I've written a book. And it's not published yet, but it's actually a book. It's a resource book for parents who are raising a special needs child. Um, I work in a lot of early intervention and I work in a lot of, I work in the school system too. So I work with a lot of children with special needs and I find it really challenging to connect with parents. Um, it's challenging for the teachers, even though they're the teachers and, you know, to connect with parents. So I just have a really strong desire to connect with parents. So I decided I was going to write this resource book. Um, so even though the book is, is finished, um, writing a book, there's a lot of steps to take. So I'm still in the process of, um, getting, getting my ducks in a row, I guess you can say with the book. So, um, I'm hoping to get it out by the end of this year. Um, so then, you know, it could be a, a, a resource book that any music therapist could, you know, it's not directly for music therapists, but for music therapists who work with parents, you know, that have special needs children would be able to say, Hey, I got a great book for you. You know, this, this might help you out. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's my contribution to, um, to our field is a resource book for our parents. That's wonderful. Congratulations on on writing that book. And I think that it will be such a huge resource. I know that I've had parents of children with special needs um, come to me and say, you know, I want to help other parents that are in my situation or that maybe their child just received a diagnosis and, you know, they don't know where to turn. And so having a book like that to be able to refer people to I think will be so helpful to so many people. So we will definitely put a link to your website. I'm sure you'll have information there once the book's published and right, yeah. that way people can find it. Well, it's interesting how, you know, as music therapists, we work with our clients and we connect with them through music. You know, why not? Don't keep that all to ourselves, you know, in, in your client. But I think a lot of parents would really benefit from knowing what their child's doing, you know, why are we connecting so well? And, you know, you can have, you can have that too, because I'm sure it's very stressful and challenging to raise a child with a special need and be able to give a parent some very valuable tools to help life just work smoother, you know, to make things go better, um, to build the relationship better with your child. I mean, what parent wouldn't want that? Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer, for being on the show and sharing your story with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to send Jennifer a message, you can contact her via her website, www.lifesongtherapy.com. Would you like to be a guest on the show? Let me know. Get in touch and find the show notes for this episode at guitarsandgranolabars.com. And I'd really appreciate it if you take just a minute to leave a review and rate the show on iTunes. I'll talk to you again next week.